Good job, I know we're going to start in chapter one. Uh, I'll just pray to start us off with, and then we'll get into it. So, all right. Dear Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to us. Thank you for the great service we had this morning and just the way you've spoken to us. And uh, thank you for the good meal we had and the time of fellowship. Uh, just bless uh, this time as I bring forth your word that you've spoken to me, Lord. Uh, just help me to be able to convey it in the way that you've uh, shown me clearly to present it and that uh, it would speak to all of our hearts today, Lord, and that we would just be able to get something and hear from you today. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Jonah chapter 1. So getting into it, before we get in there, uh, into actually the passage, uh, I'd just like to give a little bit of the background of the book of Jonah. So as we know, Jonah was one of the minor prophets, and uh, he was actually a minor prophet uh, prophet there during the time of uh, the, the king during this time was um, Jeroboam II. I'm not sure if that name may sound familiar to you. Jeroboam II was a king in Israel when Israel was basically at one of its best times, like, economically. Like, they were doing very well as a nation, like, financially and just, like, that type of things. But also during that time, when they were doing really well financially and growing in that aspect, they were, start, they were turning away from the Lord. They were slowly drawing away from the Lord as they were getting, kind of growing up and becoming stronger as a nation. Um, so Jeroboam II was the king during this time. <clears throat> so with great prosperity came a turning from, from the Lord, um, from the city of Israel. Um, the author, as we know, is Jonah. The audience is Nineveh. And <clears throat> so the Lord is giving this commission to Jonah to basically go. He tells him in there in the beginning, he go, says, go give this message to Nineveh. And um, Nineveh was a, was a very pagan city. They were very, very cruel. They did heinous things to the, uh, the cities that they would conquer. They would do, like, crazy, torturous things to these. They were just a very barbaric country. And all, they were very powerful as well. So all the countries around knew this. So Jonah obviously knew this going in when the Lord gave him this. Um, so who was Jonah? Jonah was a faithful prophet during the days of Jeroboam II, as I said. Um, and Hosea and Amos were preaching around the same time as Jonah, telling of the judgment to come from the Lord um, because his people had turned away from him. Uh, so getting into verse 1 here, we'll see. I'll just kind of pick a few verses here and there as we go through. So starting in verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So we see right off the bat here, the Lord is giving this message to Jonah, who is one of his faithful prophets. Go to Nineveh, this city that we know, already know, I've kind of touched on, is this very wicked city, and cry against it because their wickedness, the Lord sees that, and he wants to give them a chance to repent from it. Well, something right off the bat that I, I heard a preacher say, and it kind of stuck out to me because I never really thought of this. Like when you think of the story of Jonah, and you think of like, okay, yeah, Jonah was given this message from God. He got scared. He ran away on the ship, and all this happened. And but I don't really know that fear was the number one reason Jonah ran. Like not not in the way not in the way we see it. Like it, I don't think it was really fear of oh man, I'm going to go to this wicked country that God's going to send me to, and they're going to like kill me or something. You know, I think honestly, one of the main reasons Jonah did run is because he was selfish. And you may not think of it, Jonah was selfish. Well, how, why, I mean, yeah, he ran because he was scared, right? No, I think he ran because he knew this city was so wicked. And as soon as God told him to go cry against it, in his mind, he was like, God's given them a break. I'm going to go there. I'm going to give this message to all these wicked people. 
And knowing the great God I serve, if they repent, he's going to give them mercy and they're going to get a break. And so Jonah, Jonah turned, turned from that. He didn't, want to get, he didn't want this city to get a break. He wanted God's judgment to be upon them because they were so wicked. And so he turns, he runs. Um, we see in verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee, to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, where he found a ship to go to Tarshish. So Joppa was the seaport there. He was going to go to Tarshish. Well, if you look at the geography in the, this time, Tarshish from Nineveh was one of the furthest places he could have gone. So he didn't just like go hide out in some bunker somewhere. He got in a boat specifically trying to find somebody that would go to Tarshish, which was literally at that point, as far as they knew, the opposite side of the world. Like they obviously didn't know of all these, all these other continents at that point. They didn't, they didn't sail the ocean that far. So at this point, that was the furthest place he could have gone. So he wasn't just, oh, I'm going to scare it. I'm going to go hide. I don't want to go there. I don't want God to spare them. He got in a boat specifically to head way away from the place that God specifically told him to go. So we see that Jonah right here is, he's human. Like, we may think of these prophets in the Bible and be like, oh, these prophets, they're amazing men of God. They just, I don't know if they sinned. And if they did, we didn't really. Well, Jonah right here, he's a great prophet of God. God gives a command and he flat out just rebels against it and goes the opposite direction. And so getting into more some of the part of Jonah that we, we remember is, um, I'll just give you guys the quick outline of the four points that I have, and then we can cover them as we get through them. So my outline I have is, uh, chapter one is Jonah's run, which is basically Jonah's commissioned by the Lord with a task. Instead, he runs away. So chapter one is Jonah's run. Chapter two is Jonah's repentance, where Jonah, he does repent and he takes the trip to Nineveh. Chapter three is Jonah's return where he makes a return when God gives him a second command to go there, and he makes a return. And then chapter 4 is Jonah's relapse. So that's my outline. So getting into staying in chapter 1 here, um, we see um, Jonah runs away in verse 3, and then verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so the ship was like to be broken. So we see Jonah gets on the ship. He's heading out, trying to get away from what the God commanded him, but God obviously knows this. Like we've seen throughout many stories in the Bible, God all along knows what Jonah's doing. He's going to stick after him because that's the way God is. And he, we know obviously in other passages in the Bible, God uses um, nature and like the forces of nature to get people back to what he wants them to be doing. We've seen that like in the New Testament with the disciples and different situations like um, the, pro the prophet um, Elijah and the Baal there where he brought down fire from heaven. So different things God uses. Here he's using a great storm. And he brings this great storm up, and it's not anybody's fault but Jonah's, because he's trying to get Jonah's attention. So these guys in the ship, um, in verse 5 there, it says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried unto every man unto his God, and the cast forth wares to wear in the ship into the sea to lighten it. So they're, they're, here there's the sailors. They're all scared because this great storm came. They probably didn't know it was coming because it came from God, so they didn't, may not have seen it coming or or perceived that it was coming, but God sent it, so they're all kind of freaking out about it. They're throwing stuff overboard. They're wondering what in the world's going on because it's not, it's not really helping. And then uh, verse 6, so it says, The shipmaster came to him, which is Jonah, and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Because Jonah, he's obviously, he's just trying to hide from everything. He's sleeping there in the boat. So he says, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call unto thy God, if so be that thy God will not think upon us, that we perish not. And they came every fellow, so we see there in verse 7, 8, 
Um, so we see Jonah, he, he starts telling them about God. So Jonah is like running from God, but yet here he's like bragging on God. He's like, oh yeah, my God, he's the true God. He's the one who, he has control of all these things, and, um, but he's running from him at the same point. So it's kind of like, you don't really understand, like he knows God can do all these things, but at the same time he's running from him. So we see that he tells them this, and they cast lots, and it comes out to where it is Jonah. And so they see that they have to throw him overboard which this is the part of the story of Jonah that we, we know of, where Jonah, okay, gets swallowed by a big fish. So getting into uh, the, end, the, the end of the chapter there in verse 11, where it says, Then they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought us in the uh, temptuous, that's in verse 11. And then he says in verse 12, Just throw me overboard, because he just wants to get out of that situation. He probably thinks he's just going to die, and that's the way it's going to end for him. But well, we see in verse 17 there at the end of the chapter, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So here they, they toss Jonah overboard. He's running from the Lord. They toss him over, and he gets swallowed up by this great fish that the Lord has prepared to come get him. And obviously we, we always hear Jonah and the whale. We don't really know what kind of a fish it was. That doesn't really, I mean, I guess it doesn't really hurt to say it was Jonah and the whale because, I mean, it's a great fish. We don't really know what kind of a fish it was. That doesn't really matter, but we know that God prepared this fish. And this was going to be his way of transporting and teaching Jonah a lesson. Um, we were kind of talking about boats there at lunch today, Mr. Gower and Mr. Ouellette and a couple of us. And we were talking about how you can get seasick on a boat. Well, imagine Jonah here. He's in this fish's belly. Like sometimes you think of, oh yeah, I don't like going down by the ocean because when the tide's down, you smell these dead fish and smell this or that. Well, Jonah here, he gets swallowed up by this great fish. Can you imagine inside of the belly of that? It's dark. It probably smells horrible. We see in verse, um, where's my notes here? Uh, um, verse 11, where Jonah's talking in chapter 2, it's him talking and he's repenting. I believe it's verse, um, I'm not sure which verse it was, but I know in, the, in one of these verses here, I can get to it. Is, oh, it's verse 5. Okay, here we go. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, and the depths closed me round about, and the weeds were wrapped around my head. So he's in this fish's stomach. We don't really think about a lot of these things when you hear the story of Jonah, you know. But the, he's in this fish's stomach. It's probably cramped. It's disgusting. There's these weeds, seaweed probably all wrapped around his head. He can probably barely breathe. But during that time, you know what Jonah's doing? He's like, okay, God, I get the point. I get the point. This is what you have to do to me. You didn't even let me die when I was trying to get thrown overboard. Obviously, you have something for me. So all in chapter 2 there is um, Jonah's repentance is the second point. So in two, starting right off in 2 verse 1, Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God, out of the fish's belly. So he's in the fish's belly, and he's praying to God. I mean, that's probably one of the craziest places that somebody's ever prayed, is being inside of a fish's belly. Who knows where he was under the water? Um, but he's praying to God, and God hears him. Um, so he repents. God hears him. And um, in verse 10, it says, The Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited him up on the dry land. So he, we saw in verse, the verse there, of 17 of the previous chapter, that he was in there three days and three nights. We're not really specifically sure because of the way their days worked there, um, whether that was like three full days and three nights, because in the Jewish culture or that culture back then, basically any part of a day that touched, they, they considered it a day. So it could have been just like 
just getting into the third day or even a full three days. We don't really know specifically, but we do know that it was three days and three nights, it says here. So he was in there a while. I mean, just sitting in there, contemplating, talking to God, and he repents, which is a good thing. I mean, obviously, you want to see him repenting. So that's chapter two is basically about is Jonah's learned his lesson, and here he repents. So he's like, okay, God, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. So getting into chapter three is point number three here, uh, which is Jonah's return or his second commission. So at the start there of verse 3, it says, And the word of the Lord came, came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching I bid thee. So here, Jonah gets spit up onto the land. He's probably, he's probably disoriented, has no idea where he is. He gets, just got spit up by this fish. It's a crazy sequence of events. But then the Lord speaks unto him and says, Okay, Jonah, I talked to you. You learned your lesson through that trial. Now, I'm going to tell you again, go to Nineveh and preach against it. And so he does. Um, but we see that from where he landed, um, well, actually, first, let's see, God hasn't changed his mind. So Jonah obviously had changed his mind. God never changed his mind for what he wanted Jonah to do. Even though Jonah's circumstances obviously changed from when he ran, he was in a different place. God had to work in miraculous ways to get him back to where he had the same command for him. And God's commands don't change. God had this for Jonah. And because Jonah ran, doesn't mean God was going to change what his plan was for him. Be like, okay, since you ran, I'll maybe have you go to this other city since you're closer or something. No, God still had the same plan for him. And we see there in verses 1 and 2 that God, preached, uh, God told him again to go preach against Nineveh. Well, um, from some commentaries I've read, Nineveh, it was about, from what I've read on it, it was, Nineveh was about 550 miles away from where he was which is about three day, a three days journey at a really good pace. Um, oh, no, no, okay, my bad. That was, not, that was not right. I'm talking about Nineveh. Nineveh, the city, was, so when he got to there, it was, a, it was a long travel from where he was, but when he got there, the city itself of Nineveh was over 550 miles, and so that basically away from where that, and then the city of a three days journey. So when you get into Nineveh, not only are you just there in the city, it's a three days journey to get from one side to the next. So you think at a steady pace, I'm going to make a beeline straight to the other side of the city. It was a three days journey just to get across the city. So there's tons of people here. So we know that, jo that Jonah obviously is going to do a lot of walking. So he gets all the way there, all, these way, all this way out there to the city. And then it's this, he's going to be there preaching a long time. And um, some specs about the city of Nineveh. These people were like great architects. The, not only was the city huge, but it had ginormous walls. These walls in the city of Nineveh are over 50 feet thick. So you, can you think about that? That's the width of like, I think that's the width of a basketball court, like wide. So that's like, that's close to like here to the back wall, pretty close to that. And you think that, that's just how thick it was. Not even like, that's like crazy how long that must have taken them. So it's, it's that thick, and it's also, it's 50 feet wide, and, which is the, th um, the thickness there, and it's also, it was 100 feet tall. That's about the height of a 10-story building. So these walls are ginormous. This city is amazing. And Jonah's there, he's going to preach against it. So that's what, in chapter 3 here, we see Jonah repents, and he goes to teach, or uh, preach to them. 
So we see in verse 4, Jonah began to enter into the city um, a day's journey, and he cried, yet 40 days Nineveh shall be overthrown. So here he is. He gets in there and he starts saying, okay, guys, you need to repent because in 40 days Nineveh is going to be overthrown and God's going to judge you because of your wickedness. And just like we see, just like Jonah had thought at the beginning there, the people start to repent. And just like God has done throughout all the ages, when God gives people a chance, he gives them a chance. They could have rejected it, but God gave them a chance here through Jonah and they repented. We see that people started, they started fasting. The king decreed this, city, this nationwide fast. People started repenting. They were crying, putting sackcloth and ashes. So just like God had sent Jonah there to do, these people started repenting. And it was a great work of the Lord. Um, so we see there in the end of chapter 3 that the king is given a command, let every man be covered in sackcloth, verse 8, and cry mightily unto God. Um, and... So we end the chapter and it says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. So God keeps his word. This wicked city, these people who are terrible sinners, God sends Jonah, he preaches to them, and they, re- they turn from their ways. And God, God keeps his word. He doesn't send judgment like he said in 40 days. But it doesn't say that he told Jonah that, okay, Jonah, since they repented, I'm not going to do this. So Jonah's kind of, he gives his message, and then he just has to sit back and wait. And I think kind of in a way, Jonah is kind of like, this is where he starts going back again. He's probably like, okay, there's still pro- I'm sure there's still wickedness. I'm sure God's still going to judge. So I'm just going to sit back here and wait. And I think this is how a lot of times we are in our daily lives. Like, we think, okay, yeah, we're Christians. We go to church. There's obviously these people all around who, don't, who aren't saved. There's these people who are sinners all around who don't know the Lord. And do we really want them to be able to like have all the same blessings that we have? And we, yeah, we maybe go tell them, but are they really going to get saved? But God really has the same heart for them as he did for us. We're not any better just because our circumstances were different. Jonah was this great man of God, and, but yet he was being selfish with, with what God had given him. And he didn't want to see these people turn to God, which is so ironic as being a prophet to these people. He didn't want to see them. He didn't want to, he wanted to see God judge them. Like, obviously he went and he did that and he changed his heart, but he was still expecting God to judge. So getting into chapter four here, the final point is Jonah's relapse. So we see, we covered the points where Jonah was sent, he rebelled. Then he was put in, he was in the fish's belly. He repented and he went then three, Jonah's return, which was a second commission. And then finally, Jonah's relapse, chapter four. So the 40 days went by and the Lord spares the city, just as he said there. And Jonah, he's starting to get discouraged. He's like, what? I, I don't know. I don't really have any purpose anymore. What am I going to do? Like He basically, where it says there in verse, verse three, so actually we'll start in verse one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. So he's actually angry that God did this. He's like, why did God do this? Like, these people are so wicked. Why would he save them? Why would he give them the shot? These people have, they've, they've destroyed so many people's lives and done these horrible things. Why would he save them? So he's actually getting angry in verse 1. And verse 3, it says, Now therefore, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So he's, <laughs> Jonah is like, He's kind of like a basket case in these, in these situations. He goes from, okay, he's, he's running away because he, he doesn't want to see the Lord work. 
He gets in the fish's belly, then he repents to the Lord. He gets the second commission, he goes. These people get, they turn to the Lord, which is a great work of God. Instead of rejoicing in that, he's like, oh God, I can't believe you did that. I'm so mad. Why don't you just kill me now? It's better that I don't live. And it's like, Jonah, what are you doing? But like, we don't know what his circumstances were. This is how we so often are. Like, there's great things going on around us and God may use us, but it's so easy to get, just get sidetracked with our self-centered things and just get discouraged because maybe God didn't do things how I wanted them or I wasn't able to go the route I wanted to go, even though God's using you in a mighty way to do things that you wanted or that he wanted you to do. And we see the only thing God says to him in verse four is, then said the Lord, dost thou well to be angry? Basically, he's like, really, Jonah? Like, Really? After I've done all these things, God doesn't defend himself. He doesn't chew Jonah out. He just says, he simply says, dost thou well to be angry or just, or really, is it justifiable that you're angry right now? So, like, why, why are you angry? So, um, then Jonah goes, he sits and starts watching the city to see what God would do. So he's like sitting, maybe God will still do something here. Let me just sit and watch. So he goes and kind of perches on a little place outside there in the city. Um... And the Lord allows this gourd. So we see that the Lord allows this gourd to grow up over him, which obviously must have been pretty fast growing if he's just sitting there and this weed's all of a sudden shooting up behind him. I mean, that's kind of a miracle in of itself. I mean, I know there's fast growing weeds because I did landscaping before to where it's like we literally just weeded this last week and it's covered. So like I know there's fast growing weeds, but like this gourd, this flew up behind him and it's giving him shade. So if you think these super hot days out there, it's probably scorching hot sun sitting out there. He's just sitting there watching. He's discouraged, but God still chooses to bless him and give this little bit of shade. So he's sitting there and he's like, oh, wow, yeah, this is nice. It's like basically AC for him at that point. But he, so he's sitting there. God gives him this weed. He's sitting there in the comfort of it. But then God, in the same way he blessed him with that gourd, he took it right away. He had this, um, he had this worm in verse... Seven there, it says, so verse six is where he gave him the gourd. Verse six says, but God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. So this worm comes, it eats the gourd. The gourd gets, it starts withering away and it dies. And it came to pass in verse eight, and the sun did rise and God prepared a, um, a, a vehement east wind. I don't really know what that word is there. An east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah so I don't know if Jonah was bald. If he was, that would have been even worse because it says the sun's beating on his head. So he must have been baking there in the sun. Um, and it says, and Jonah wished himself to die. So again, he wishing himself to die. He was like, finding a little pleasure in his weed, but then he's wishing himself to die again. And he says, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said unto Jonah, dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. So God's like, are you serious? You're going to be mad about this gourd that I just gave you because it died? And he says, I do well to be angry because I deserve that gourd. I just came here all this way. And he says, I deserve to it, even unto death. And in verse 10 it says, Then, the, then said the Lord, Thou had pity on the gourd, for thou which hast not labored, neither madest it grow. And it came up in a night, and it perished in a night. And shouldest I not spare Nineveh, the great city wherein are more than six six score thousand persons that cannot discern between the right hand or the left and also much cattle. So I'm not sure if that's talking about children there, be, being young, not be able to discern between their right and the left. But basically God's like, Jonah, seriously, like get a grip. Like I've given you this, I've given you this gourd. I'm the one that gave you this little bit of comfort. And in that same way that I gave this to you, I can take it away from you. 
I, like tr- basically just trying to get him to see the point, see the bigger picture, not being so selfish. Like sometimes we can get so caught up in these little things, these little, these little hobby horse of ours. Okay, like, oh, I just want this comfort in my life. And then when it happens, like something may happen to take it away. And you're like, seriously, God, why would you do that? I can't believe that happened. To where that's not even something that really matters in the big picture of life. Sometimes we get so self-centered, so caught up that we can't even see the way God's really working through us. Here, God worked through Jonah. He worked through him in a great way. Jonah's not even rejoicing in that. He's being self-centered. He gets so focused on himself so fast. Um, I just had written down here, oh, I had written down, God is ultimately showing us through the book of Jonah and through his life. So I know we've gone through it really fast and there's many things you can draw out. But God is basically ultimately showing us through this book and the life of Jonah that we all have things in life that are great cares and priorities to us. But are they the same things that are his cares and his priorities? So we see that Jonah, he had priorities. Sometimes he had good priorities. When he, got his, when he got his mind straight towards the Lord, his priorities were straightened out. Okay, yeah, he, he went and he did this great thing, but then his priorities got so self-centered again, so self-centered. And our priorities should be what God's priorities are. So we see that he had priorities, obviously. He cared about this gourd. He cared about himself, but he didn't care about other people in that same way. Um, so we see God's top priority has always been and always will be as long as we're on this earth is for souls, souls of people. And that, and that hasn't changed. And if that isn't one of our top priorities or our top priority in life, then our priorities aren't straight. So just examine in our lives, okay, what am I focusing on that I'm so self-centered about to where like, okay, I'm in this little phase of life that I just want this right now. But like, there's people all around us that are in sin and are dying and going to hell. And God wants us to focus on them. Okay, I know, I know you may be like really concerned about this little thing inside here, but I want you to get focused on the big picture. There's people all around you. Even if it's something as simple as just like being a testimony for God instead of being quiet or something like that. God wants us to be, have people as our priorities. And that's his heart. So Jonah was a faithful prophet. And in many ways, we can relate to him in our lives because like we've been given so much by God and God may give us a commandment. We may run from it. We may not. We may just be stagnant where we are. We may be like, okay, God, I'll do this, but I really want to just focus on this right now, this little pleasure in my life. Um, so we can relate to him in our lives, in our hearts for the Lord, but his priorities just got, got self-focused instead of having a heart for God. So I heard a pastor say in one of the messages I actually heard on Jonah when I was preparing for this, he said, show me the things in life that upset you and I'll show you the things in life that are your priorities. It's like, what kind of things in your life? Think about it. What kind of things do I get upset about? Oh man, the AC in my car died today. I can't believe that. And you gripe all day long. It's 90 degrees outside. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this. My AC died. And you're literally griping all day long about it. Or something, something really small. It could be something big, obviously. But what are, what are your cares in life? What are, you, what are the things that upset you? Do the things of God upset you when maybe you have a neighbor who you've been witnessing to and you haven't seen a breakthrough and them turning towards the Lord? Or maybe you come across somebody who's obviously struggling with something in sin. Do those things upset you? Or when you think about things that upset me, are they just like politics or just like work or all these things that obviously, they're things that obviously are cause for concern, but you can pray about those, bring them to God. Your priorities should be the things that God wants, souls. Not so much just like, oh, I just want what I want right now. Somebody else can do what God wants. 
So that's what we see from the book of Jonah. It's just some things I got from it. It's just that God ultimately, his top priority is souls. So in conclusion, just let us have a heart for people like God has a heart for people. And ultimately, I, from what I studied, I think that's what the book of Jonah is all about, is just God's heart for people. So I know I didn't probably portray every little thing that I could have out of it, but those are just some things that God taught me from this book. And I hope that you, when you hear of the book of Jonah, you don't just think of, okay, Jonah was this prophet, ran from God, and got swallowed by a fish, spit up onto land. And that's kind of what you remember from the book of Jonah. But remember some lessons that you can remember from the book of Jonah, that God has a heart for souls, and he has a mission for you. And ultimately, his heart is for souls. No matter what you do, he's going to work either way, whether you're self-centered or not. But wouldn't you want to have a part of that? Can you imagine if Jonah had a, a great and encouraged heart through that, how much different the story would have been? Obviously, we know because he wrote the book that he did eventually have a good heart towards the Lord, and he, he had the account of these things. But let us just never forget our ultimate purpose here is for the heart of souls, even no matter how wicked they may be. So just examine some things in your life from this. I know the Lord spoke to me through it, so I'll just pray in conclusion, and we can go home. So.